Hey everyone, before we get to the episode, I'd like to share a little word with you from our sponsors, Odds Crowd. Are you the best football better in the United States? At Odds Crowds, our friends are challenging you to prove it this fantasy season with their epic free-to-play fantasy betting contests. One of my favorite things to do is be betting and not actually have to lose any actual cash. There's over $30,000 in cash prizes up for grabs, both season-long and weekly contests on NFL and college football. Here's how it works. Once you enter a contest, you place risk-free fantasy bets against real odds and lines, much like you would with any pick tracking app. The most profitable players are rising up the leaderboard. If you have the highest profit at the end of the contest, you win. And Odds Crowd isn't just fantasy betting contests. It's a social app for sports bettors. Free to download, you can live group chat with other bettors, track your bets, and set up private fantasy contests with your buddies and much more. So download the app for free or go to oddscrowd.com. NFL draft almost six rounds fully done waiting on round seven which is definitely everyone knows is notorious for just having absolute a star studded pick just kidding no one fucking cares about the sixth round unless it's your favorite guys like Keontae Ingram drafted in it but that's for another episode another podcast I am excited to be talking about rounds one two and three with my good friend Michael you can find him on Twitter at MW77 fully spelled out he's a writer for Dynasty Academy, you can find them on your favorite podcast streaming application. Anchor. And you've been working on the same book since you were 16. Are you George R.R. R. Martin? What was that? I'm sorry. Are you George R.R. R. Martin? You've been working on the same book since you're 16. That's I, how this works, right? I mean, I don't think I'm as talented as him. I, my, my biggest problem, my biggest problem is, is I write and, and I have this story and I put it in my head and I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. It's going to work great. And then I put it to paper and I'm just like, no, I hate everything about this. So I'm going to erase it all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, I, I'm my, I'm my, I'm my world's, uh, I'm my hardest critic. You know, I, I read a lot of fantasy adventure novels. That's where I, that's my, you know, my niche. That's what I want to write. I, I get stories and I get like character things in my head. And I'm like, this is awesome. And in my head, it sounds a lot cooler. And then I paint on paper and paper read it. And I'm just like, yeah. I mean, my, my wife's fantastic. She's like, you're doing awesome. Like, don't worry. That's great. Aww. I love it. And I'm like, Haha, I know what kind of stories you like. Erase. <laughs> you're married to me. You have to say those things. And also, how drunk or stoned was I when I was thinking about these things, right? That's always a good thing to bring in. That's, so yeah. I like to I like to start the show off as always with a question of the show, and I thought this would be a fun one. Which NFL franchise embodies you as a person? So I want to start off by saying I am a Washington Commanders fan, but that team definitely does not embody who I am. If they embody who you are, chances are you're probably behind bars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just gonna throw that out there. Big facts, though. Big facts. <laughs> uh, no, I am. A, I want to say the Minnesota Vikings and. It was a it was a weird pick in my head when I when I said this and I was just like you know what though, 
the Vikings are a team that constantly puts out, you know, good to really good teams. And then they get to a point and they lose. So it's like Aaron Rodgers, basically, in the playoffs. Um, you know, they make the Super Bowl and lose. They never won one. Or they make it to an NFC Championship game with Brett Favre with the 14 wins and lose. So uh, I feel like sometimes for me, life, I get ahead and then something happens and I have to work myself just as hard again to get back to that point. Like, just for instance, my truck got stolen on Sunday. Love so. that. Fuck yeah. I don't know what it is about the month of, I, I don't know what it is about the month of April, but literally there has been all of my close friends and just people that I know well are like, yeah, well, uh, my friend's father is now having a stroke every couple of days. And like my father-in-law just had a heart attack so severe he literally died and only is alive because of a random stroke of luck in every other alternate par- parallel universe. We are not talking like this. You know, yeah. And oh, yeah. I don't know about I don't know what it is about April, but April in 2022 is like, yo, enjoy this hell because y'all are in for a worst month in the world. So I'm sorry about your truck. Oh, this um, is but- a whole week, really. My wife sprained her ankle. We were at Express Care on Saturday. Truck got stolen on Sunday, and her grandmother was given a week today. Jeez, dude, you see what I'm saying though? Like <laughs> fucking hell, bro. Well, see- and to compound <sighs> at the beginning of the month, my birthday is the fifth my daughter's mm. birthday is the second and my other daughter's birthday is the third and our anniversary is the fourth <laughs> so it's like that was some really poor planning <laughs> april the beginning april at the end um yeah so, yeah april's awesome Fuck it all uh, oh, i, I love i love that you're the vikings though because you have an elite youthfulness to you and you're underrated as you're in your mind because that's what kirk cousin is under motherfucking rated I'll take it. But let's let's jump into NFL draft. And I just think of the young kids that are getting into fan, to football or fantasy football, whatever it is. You know, you're 15, 14, whatever age you are. This is your first offseason. You have the most amazing trades that we're never going to see again in our lifetime. And then you compound that with not only one, not two, not three, but four top-tier wide receivers finding new homes and tremendous paydays. And then in the NFL draft, you have only one quarterback taken and you have AJ Brown finding a new fucking home. You have four wide receivers going in the top 16 picks, five wide receivers going to the top 16 picks, six Dotson went 16, six wide receivers in his first 16 picks, right? No. Burks went 18. Burks went 18. Okay. Six in the first 18. Yep. And it's just like, oh my God, those kids, those people are fucked. They're going to think the rest of like every offseason sucks and every draft is boring because this is incredible. And the first round, like I was having like my own panic attack because I was just like, I, what is going on? I don't understand. It's like every other second, it's like Malik Willis still hasn't been drafted that Kenny Pickett didn't get traded up for. He fell to 20. Oh my God. So my first question, Michael, is what is your biggest takeaway from the first round? Uh, that. I mean, we can sit here and say we're fantasy experts all we want, but we don't know jack shit at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I mean I did about I, I usually do about three, four, five mocks like throughout the course of from January to, to April just to kind of get an idea, feel for how things are. And everything I was reading and everything that I was seeing as far as around the league was concerned was there was a legit possibility that five quarterbacks were gonna go in this round, mm-hmm. in the first round. And mm-hmm. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, okay. If five quarterbacks, even if even if you view this class as meh, 
or whatever it is that you may view it as, if five quarterbacks go in the first round, you have to draft your fantasy accordingly. Yep. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, cool. Well, let me mock this and let me see how this works out. There was never in a million years, Britt, that I thought the Seattle Seahawks would trade Russell fucking Wilson for the number nine overall pick to not take a quarterback. I don't care in, in, in any draft class what the draft class may look like. Oh. There is not an alternate universe that I think I exist in that I sit there and go, oh, they traded Russell Wilson for Charles Cross. Now, no, don't get me wrong. Charles Cross is going to be fantastic. I think he's fantastic. Yeah. I think he's going to be one of the best offensive tackles in the draft. You know, blah, blah, blah. But you have Drew Locke and Geno. Smith I, and Jacob yeah, Eason. And, oh, that's right. Jacob Eason. Cause I forgot that they let him go in Indianapolis. So because he sucks. Uh, you literally are looking at, and don't get me wrong about Drew Locke. I think Drew Locke flashed a little bit, but he's hit, he hit, he's hit a ceiling. There's, yeah. there's nowhere to go with him. No, or Gino like, or anyone. I, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because I think as a Seahawks fan, I was fully ready and anticipating. I was sitting in my living room. I stopped cutting. I was like, it's our pick. I'm putting my phone down in a way. I don't want spoilers. I'm watching this live stream. I am in a couch, crouching position like three feet away from my TV waiting for the pick. And I said, if this is Malik Willis, I'm going to go on my balcony in my apartment complex, apartment complex and scream bloody fucking murder. And I'm probably on the cops called me because I'm going to be so irate. And they didn't. And they did the right decision. And I was like, oh no, we are in for one hell of a draft. And the Seahawks did the right thing in the draft. The it's fucking awful. I it's, I mean, you're not wrong though. Like this is why I hate scouting quarterbacks before the draft is because we have no fucking idea. We were just talking off pre or pre-show how we were both high on Sam Howell. We both thought he was a good looking quarterback and he didn't go in the fifth round. And he was so bad comparably to the class, according to the NFL, he went two rounds later than the last quarterback drafted of relevance, which was going to be Matt Corral or Malik Willis. And so it was no Matt Corral. One of the two doesn't fucking matter, but like, it's just like, it's fucking bizarre. And then we have seven players of consequence or fantasy draft in the first round. Like that is God fucking awful. So who is your favorite wide receiver landing spot? And who is your least favorite wide receiver landing spot of the six that were drafted in the first round? I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, we, we, he, he was already pretty high on a lot of people's boards, but uh, Traylon Burks to Tennessee. And I think it's just because of the fact that they just don't have anybody else. Uh, yeah. I mean, Robert, Robert. To be, okay. So the trade happened and I forgot Robert Woods existed because I completely forgot he was in Tennessee. <laughs> so I'm thinking to myself when they traded AJ Brown, that Nick Westbrook, Ikena was their number one. And I'm like, Oh boy, this has to be Traylon Burks, you know? Uh, but the thing with Burks that I love is, is the hybrid. Like ESPN yeah. did a lot of the comparisons of like Debo meets AJ Brown. And mm-hmm. honestly, my comparisons was, Debo and AJ Brown like it was it was so like on my sheet when I looked at the tape the hybridness the fact that he could play inside and out I know that he played a lot through the slot and that was his his knock or whatever yeah I just did air quotes no none of you guys are going to see that but I just did him again um but Burks was a guy that I feel like still translates to the outside does he yeah have the speed that we would have liked I don't think he's slow though no, you know, like, I, don't, I don't think his speed is where we wanted it to be, but I don't think he's slow. So Burks in Tennessee is a great spot. And honestly, to be completely fully honest with you, Sky Moore to Kansas City 
And I had Sky Moore as a, a borderline round one. And I know that we were talking about the, the front seven, but I just no, wanted right. to mention I just wanted to mention it real quick because to me, I think Sky Moore has to be a guy that you you have to if you rank the top seven wide receivers in in the order and you're like I like them all, those are going to be my top seven guys. Sky Moore would have to be eight. Yeah, I think at this like honestly, I got Sky Moore wide receiver six to be honest because yeah, I love I, him. I think there's a conversation and you can make an argument for Sky Moore over Chris Olave. Honestly, yeah, it's, a, it's a tough conversation, but there's there is a legitimate conversation to be had about that very thing absolutely and, and i think a lot of it also goes into into uh with sky more is the fact that his ceiling mm-hmm. uh it, it was so high before the draft mm-hmm. and then when you land in kansas city the possibility of him hitting that ceiling you know becomes yep. even more of a reality yep. like i don't think it would be as much as if he went to cleveland True. you know like if, if sky more drafted cleveland nothing against cleveland by any means because it sounds like they're trying to open things up a little bit more but they until they do yeah we haven't seen it you exactly. Know? So, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think, you know, most every single rookie rankings wide receiver is going to have London or Burks one or one and two, just because <laughs> I under, and I know you don't like London. We'll talk about it next, but I mean, when you're talking about rookie wide receivers, landing spot being at landing spot agnostic makes sense in theory, but it also, you want your rookie to show something their first year. And it, you're going to get more when they have consolidated targets, when they have an incredible path into opportunities, and when they have a quarterback that is going to be hyper-locking and focusing on them. And Ryan Tannehill and Marcus Mariota or Desmond Ritter, whichever one is going to get that job, it's Mariota, but still, they're going to be hyper-locking onto Drake London and Terry Allen Burks. And or Trey Burks' sake, he has a Kenny Restbook, Chester Rogers, and a torn ACL 32 year old Robert Woods. So like he is that offense and yeah, like he probably is better suited for a big slot wide receiver in the NFL. And the nice thing about that is, is that he can kind of play that role a little bit in Tennessee. I like their late round draft pick with Kyle Phillips and there's a couple other guys, but I think, you know, I, I don't hate Traylon Burks at tennis. I don't hate him being the favored wide receiver overall. Like it could very well have a pathway to having him at one. I just currently have him at two because I think what Drake London has is that, well, we'll get to it in a second, but I just, I think that Drake Traylon Burks for me is at two, just because I really, I almost wanted to see him as a, in a complimentary position. Like I wanted him in Philadelphia so he could run that big slot role. Cause that would have been fantastic. Albeit Jalen Hurts throwing him the ball. Yeah, I know it's it's a barf it's a barf situation. I recognize that, but CJ Stroud and Bryce Younger noise. Well, I well I will be I will be honest though. <clears throat> AJ Brown being in Philadelphia on the trade isn't as bad as I think a rookie wide receiver going to Philadelphia would have been, because AJ Brown at least is a veteran and been in the league with a run first offense, and Tannehill's not exactly an elite quarterback, so he's yeah. done it without having an elite quarterback. So uh, I'm kind of glad that for these rookie wide receivers sakes that none of them really landed in Philadelphia. Yeah. For, for the yeah. rookies. For sure. For that standpoint. For sure. And I don't have Burks one either. I just think oh. Burks landed in the best spots. My number one is actually Garrett Wilson. Oh, okay. So let's talk about that. And then we'll segue into, to, to Drake London. So for Garrett Wilson, what's your motivation for putting that one? Uh, well, so I had Garrett Wilson ranked one pre-draft and okay. uh, I don't sense. think, I don't think his ceiling is as high as some of the other guys behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also don't think his floor though is as low. So yeah. um, 
for instance, I, I say this a lot on my show, on, on our show over at Dynasty Academy. Just because I have a guy ranked ahead of somebody doesn't mean that I won't take the guy behind him. Yeah. It, it, it really just boils down to, you know, landing spot, things like that. Like certain guys might be ranked higher, but I just may not like them as overall for some reason or another, but they might have a higher ceiling. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if they're going to get there. So I'm going to take the safer, the safer play. Mm-hmm. Garrett Wilson to me is that, is that. I think yeah. he has one of the safest floors, but everything he does is really good. Yeah. So I, he, he may not ever reach that superstar status. And in New York, I know a lot of people are not happy with the New York, but I got to tell you, the Jets, they're cr- they, they're they, they, team. They, they put weapons around Zach Wilson. Sheesh. Yeah. No, I mean, it, <laughs> it's now up to Zach Wilson to make, decide that, you know? Which is terrifying, but uh, like, okay, let's fucking ride. Hey, exactly. I mean, hey, speaking of Zach Wilson, I, I did not like Zach Wilson because I thought that he had the lowest floor, but I had him ranked three in the in the class last year. I just yep. avoided him because of that floor. Yeah. So it, it's just one of those situations. It's like Chris Olave, you mentioned earlier. Like we'll get to it, I'm sure, but like Olave to me has a higher floor than most, and he does everything really well too. It's kind of like Garrett Wilson. Yeah. I don't know if either one of those guys ever gets into that wide receiver one Devontae Adams type category, but yeah. I still think they could put together long careers. And so. honestly, I think that is so. I, I'm there's literally nothing that you said that I disagree with. And then it really comes down to what your preference is as a mm. ranker of the rookie class, right? Because if you are a rebuilding team and you have the 102, theoretically, you would want to trade back into like the 104, 105. But if you can't do that and get a good trade, which you aren't going to be able to because the 105 isn't going to want 102 because he realizes he's in such a pristine position. Right. You want, I mean, Garrett Wilson is a very good pick because you are getting safety. You are getting a top 24 wide receiver for the next three to four years, maybe or probably longer, to be honest. Yeah. You know, and, and that has value for a rebuilding team. The issue, I, I just, I prefer to be ranking upside as for my rookies than safety. Yep. And it, it is team agna, it is team dependent on these wide receivers, which is so much fun about each, each wide receiver fell in such a unique spot in, in like uniquely shitty yet opportunistic spot that where, <laughs> where you have them ranked pre-draft, I don't think anybody is having massive moves post-draft. Because, like, there was no spot that each player found in that was, like, decidedly better or worse for the team. The only team you could say is potentially worse is the Atlanta Falcons just because of how fucking awful they're managing their franchise. And I don't under – I would love to hear Arthur Smith in his theory of why they went a Drake London – like, a Kyle Pitts prototype at eight when they could have had countless other – players later and so i i haven't heard their reasoning i'm sure there's a reasoning out there i want to hear your thoughts on drake london because i believe you're a bit more adverse to him than i am so pre-draft i had drake london ranked fifth now this was but this was back in february before i really grinded some tape i don't i didn't drop him that far i probably would move him you know, six, seven range. I, I don't think I would drop him outside the top seven. I think most of the movement after this, these, these, these first two days are going to come from eight to 12, whatever it is you decide to do there, eight to 15. Uh, here's my issues with Drake London. And it literally has, um, it has more to do with, I don't know 
he he was so hard to rank. I don't know what to do with him. You know, you see the production and what he did in eight games. Okay, cool. Trey Sermon had a five-game stretch that was freaking fantastic too, and and I'm pretty sure San Francisco just drafted their his replacement in the third round. Yeah, so <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they drafted Trey Sermon to replace Trey Sermon, but um, <laughs> and, and, you know, and and then on top of that, there's injury history with Drake London. Mm-hmm. There is a statistic out there that I shared in our in, in our mock draft that Drake London is fourth since 2017 with the number of percentage of contested passes mm-hmm. in college. Mm-hmm. And you take a look at the top five on that list. Nikhil Harry, Jaw, Jalen Rager, Denzel Mims. Mm-hmm. Where are those guys currently right now? Now, granted, I don't want to hang my hat on that statistic, obviously, because, but it makes me go, oh, hold on. Let me go back to the tape. And London does not get separation. He's a jump ball specialist. And in college, that might work great. But when you're doing that in college against non-NFL caliber corners, and then you're going to try to do that against a guy like Jalen Ramsey or mm-hmm. whoever else you can throw in there, it's probably not going to work. Yeah. So then he goes to Atlanta, who has Marcus Mariota, who's already been a starter when people said that he shouldn't even have been the second overall pick. He bounced around a little bit, ended up in Las Vegas. All of a sudden, he's in Atlanta. He's your quarterback, and now you don't have anything else around him other than a tight end that you shouldn't have even taken a tight end last year. No Mm -hmm. offense to Kyle Pitts because he ended up having a really good year. But who the hell cares if you have a 6'6 tight end and a 6'7 wide receiver? Nobody's going to care because Marcus Mariota is still your goddamn quarterback at the end of the day. And you still don't have a freaking running back. So, Well, they they drafted Tyler Algier. Everything's okay. (laughs) Okay, so you so you have half of a running back, cool. <laughs> and Cordero Patterson. You have three quarters of a running back. Oh yeah, you? Cordero Patterson, who's six four and played wide receiver as well. So <laughs> you're gonna roll out a bunch of lumberjacks to go play football, like cool. Uh, and, and and again, it's not Drake London at all. It's, there's nothing against Drake London. I think I'm sure he's a fine prospect. It's just such a small sample size for me to be like, oh, this guy's number one because he did this in eight games. It would be like they'd be saying Trey Sermon should have been the running back one last year because he did it in five. You know, like it just, yeah. I, I don't know. That's, that, that's my struggle with London. It's not that I dislike the guy. There's a lot of questions. Really, it's really hard to rank him just yeah. because of all those questions. 100%. And I think that's very fair. I think uh, I had Jacob Sanderson on my podcast when we did our pre-draft updates on London and a couple other guys, at least Skymar was also there, which you guys should definitely go and check out. I don't remember the podcast title, but it was a fantastic episode. And he did a really good job kind of breaking down the contested catch limitations and issues, right? Like, yes, yep. there was the contested catches is an issue. Yes, it, comp- it compiled for, I believe, 30, 40% of his total catches. Uh, yes, his a company is bad. But, like, where he's drafted kind of tells me that they don't view him the same way, right? Like, Rager was right, 21. Our, our white side, I think, was 18. 25, something like that, right? In that in that little midst there. So like being drafted 10th or eighth over eighth overall shows me that like he is a different style of wide receiver. And we would have loved to see him test out because then we could have put some of those issues together. His separation certainly isn't Chris Olave special or Jalen Jahan Dotson special, but I think mm-hmm. he's able, he's gonna be able to do it. I just I for me, I think what he was able to do in his eight games in at USC what he his what his overall seasonal numbers for that year was despite missing four games 
Like, even if you took out his contested catches, he was so far, far above the thresholds that you want analytically that like he is just a home fucking run. And then you throw in the fact that like he was producing, he still produced with Michael Pittman and Amon Ross St. Brown. And then he still produced with Amon Ross St. Brown. I believe he was even, he was on pace with Amon Ross St. Brown and then he exploded onto the scene. You know, I, I think there are a lot of things to like there. And that's why I've got him one just because of that. And it's literally going to be Kyle Pitts, Drake London, their path to 10, 12 targets a game has literally never been higher. It's just if those 10 to 12, if, if 70% of those 12 targets are on tar or accurate because they have Marcus Mariota throwing him ball, right? Like the well, issue now is can they get those targets? And with London's case, is they can just pull the USC, you know, route and go do bubble screens and slants and let London kind of do London fun things. And so I totally hear you. And that's what's so fun about this class is every position and what and every wide receiver top five has a significant question mark surrounding them and their ability. And I think it's also fair. I think Matt Kelly, the podfather mentioned that the world won't let both drink London and Trey Lumberts be successful at the same time. One has to perish for the other one to thrive. So it really, it's just a toss up because they both have fantastic opportunities. I love them both to thrive, to be honest, but I just, that's not how today's day and age seems to be working out. How do you feel about Chris Olave? So I mentioned it a little bit ago, like when it comes to Olave and, and real quick before I, I want to mention what you had mentioned earlier, as far as the, um, you'd like to rank based off upside. We have a, we have an, a very analytical guy on our, on, on the podcast, our, our podcast too, um, who has all this stuff and he has Drake London ranked a little bit higher than I do too, for that reason. I, I see it with Drake. It's just like I was on last year with you. I, yeah. I trust my eyes more than yeah. I do as far as the analytics are concerned because I feel like analytics can you can hang your hat on it and people just they get so obsessed over it. So I try to like just yep. take bits and pieces of it and put it all together yep. as far as that's concerned. Um, for Chris Olave, <clears throat> uh, high floor again. Yeah. He's a safe, he's a safe player. Um, and when I rank like when I even did my my regular dynasty rankings, I ranked a lot based on longevity who I think is going to be there for a while. Like a guy like Mac Jones is never going to probably end up being in a top five situation, but I have him pretty, you know, pretty solidly in that QB two situation. And he's going to sit there probably for his entire career. And I'm completely fine with that. Um, Chris Olave reminds me of this. I have him my wide receiver two tier, uh, not really a super high floor, but he, I mean, a super high ceiling, but he does everything really, really well. And the biggest thing that I have a question mark for is Jameis Winston and how much time he gets there. Because if he clicks with Winston, but Winston only gets a year, then what what good is that going to do? So who the hell cares? You're going to be going through this whole process again next year. But I think Olave is going to be a guy that's going to be a such a good wide receiver too that the quarterback isn't as big of a question mark as let's say like a guy like you know, uh, Drake London with Marcus Mariota. Like if he had Matt yeah. Ryan thrown to him, it would probably be a little bit better because of the ceiling, you know, like mm -hmm. that floor ceiling, it, that floor ceiling situation for me is really where it's at. Uh, Drake London, if he had a better quarterback and his floor wasn't so low for me, then I would probably have him higher. Olave's floor being as low, even with a suspect quarterback, I can have him ranked, you know, a little bit, higher yeah. or over Drake London in this situation. Yeah. Just those two since those are the last two we were talking about. 
So I like Olave. I just don't think that you can sit there and draft him as hoping to get a wide receiver one out of him. I mean, to put it succinctly, with our podcast standing on an anthill with Jake Estes, we talked about the difference of point per game and seasonal finishes as an early declare and a late declare. And if you just break them down with those two very strict parameters, the late declares top five, top 24 and top 12 finishes are greatly diminished than the early declares top five, top 12, top 24 finishes. And so that is Chris Olave. So like, yes, Chris Olave is your pick number seven. Like that is your seventh pick in your superflex draft is Chris Olave. But yep, right around there. But I think that there's going to be some people that are going to get really, really excited about his opportunity because he is now with like, Michael Thomas and Olave are sort of the same, they excel in the same areas. And so now Chris Olave is going to be, have to be like, uh, I don't want to use a Henry Ruggs, but I'm just going to use that, his role in, at Oakland, like downfield burner, crossers, post routes, things like that, corner routes. And not that Chris Olave doesn't do well at those, but his bread and butters look closer to line. So if Michael Thomas finds a new home, which apparently there's rumors out there that he may, uh, and then Jameis Winston, is he the 30 for 30 Jameis Winston? Or is he Jameis Winston post LASIK that tore his ACO and isn't as mobile and just crumples around that terrible team? Like the Saints aren't going to be good. So Olave's, Olave's bread and butter is going to be his prop. He's going to be propped up with, his, with the amount of receptions he's going to get. He's probably made top three total receptions in this wide receiver class for rookies just because of he's going to be fucking peppered, especially if Alvin Kamara is out for the season. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. And so like a lot of fun. He's safe. He's sexy. And I think, again, there is a need for that. So what you're hearing in this draft is you need to understand the limitations of your team and you need to find that player that fits your team's need. And yeah. I, I, I fucking hate drafting for need in rookie drafts <laughs> it's bizarre it's stupid it's the stupidest fucking thing in the world but i want to preface that by saying if you have a top five pick top six pick top seven pick whatever and you need a wide receiver you have my permission not that it matters but you have my permission to <laughs> choose what wide receiver best fits your team do you need a wide receiver that has a really safe floor that may not get you 20 point weeks but get you really consistent 12 to 15 point weeks great go take Derek garrett wilson you need a wide receiver that could give you 20, 22 point game, week games. Go grab yourself Burks or Londons. You want to get your guy, you want to get your, yourself a yak guy, a guy that's going to absolutely burn. Go get fucking Jameis Williams. And you want to get someone that's going to be a PPR machine. Go grab Chris Olave. If that's what your team needs, go get him. Just understand where their ADP is and don't reach an absurdly high. I wanted, before we wrap up the first round, which I recognize for spending a little bit of time, we haven't even talked about the quarterback, but fuck Chris. <laughs> Fuck Kenny Pickett. Just fuck him. And his, my hands are bigger than his hands. Go fuck. And I got baby fucking hands. But Jamison Williams to the Lions. Uh, so Jamison Williams was my number three pre-draft. And I, he has not, he's not going to move. He's going to sit there right there with, with, with him in Detroit. Um, 21 years old. That's the big thing that's a that's fantastic as far as age is concerned. Yep. Uh, obviously, knee is an issue. My biggest issue with Jamison Williams came as – more of a one-trick pony-esque type of player. Mm. I know that there was, I know that there was a lot of, I know that he ran an actually decent route tree at Bama, mm. but it seemed like all of his explosive plays and everything that he came on was just him running straight down the field and Bryce Young throwing it up. His frame concerns me a little bit. He's very thin for for his height and and weight. It, for some reason, his legs 
like they're just they're Devonta Smith legs, right? Exactly, uh, on a taller body, yeah. and it, it it concerns me. So it, yeah. if they can find a way to maybe give him, I don't want I don't want to pack on too much because then I don't want to lose the speed. And obviously, the speed's a big thing for him. Um, I think he tracks the ball really well deep. That's probably one of the he's probably the best out of anybody in this class about yeah. tracking the ball deep. Um, but it's just his frame I'm concerned about, especially at the NFL level. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with Devontae Smith. Uh, Philadelphia used him very smartly. Mm-hmm. They avoid they try to avoid the big hits as much as possible. But when you do that and you are saying, okay, we can't do this with you because of your frame, you limit a guy's ability to be able to reach that wide receiver one status because what yeah. do all the wide receiver ones do? They do everything. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. where they're going, over the over the middle, down the field, on the sideline, in outs, you know does not matter what they're doing and yeah. and when you have a guy like jameson williams and a guy like you know my issue with Devonte smith last year is when you take away those things to try to be smart so they don't get hurt it limits what they can do so i think jameson williams plays the game tougher than Devonte smith is does though mm-hmm. i think that he's a very tough wide receiver for his size mm-hmm. and he just concerns me at the next level that's my that's my weakness other than that I think Jameson Williams has got the, the highest upside out of everybody yeah. uh, in this class, I, especially at 21. Yeah. So I had you know? Jameson Williams at four pre-draft just because, you know, one year production early to clear, yeah. but like, I yep. can't rank him above three years or two to three years of production that we got it's from hard. the other guys. It's, it's hard. hard. But then in the draft, there was two or three teams that were actively trading up for Jameson Williams. And like uh-huh. when a, when a team trades up, that shows me that the team, like, that player is like a, a rather specially recognized player by the league right yep. and so i'm like okay like okay and then he goes alliance like not fantastic but i mean goff's not the answer we know that no one's disillusioned that much so it's gonna be williams and Monra and chart or fuck chart but and then uh a hawkinson and swift and so like there is a real real opportunity when he gets back and fully healthy and his acl and hopefully he avoids the pup he probably won't that he could run into a 20% target share towards the end of last year. He's an inch taller than Devonta Smith and nine pounds or six pounds heavier. So um, it's funny that we didn't even bring up his weight pre-draft as everyone's yeah. focusing on, yeah. on Devonta Smith. And we may have, if he would have ran, because if he ran, he would have fucking blazed. We all know that. Well, I mean, it was his frame. I mean, it, exactly. his frame sticks out on tape. When you look at yeah. it, you're just thinking to yourself, ah, I, I don't know if it's just because he, he plays bigger. Yeah. Like Devonte Smith never played bigger. He played his frame in 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 college and yeah. and really last year he played his frame. So it's like if you're gonna be that small, you, you need to play bigger. If you're gonna yeah. be bigger, you need to play bigger. And I think yeah. Jameson Williams does that. In I agree. To Devonte, player player profiler has Jameson Williams compared compared to Will Fuller, and I just I think that's a really nice comparison. And I, I think, think he's. Nice I think he's gonna be better than Will Fuller, and Will Fuller leaves a sour taste in people's mouth because he, you get six to seven games every twelve to eighteen games a season out of him. But like he has a very nice floor, he, or excuse me, ceiling, a very nice ceiling. And I think. Oh yeah, for did, sure, absolutely. And so Jamison William, like he embodies that. So it's a, it's very exciting for him. I have him wide receiver three. Um, I want before we get into round two because round two is a fucking shit show of just everything, <laughs> and I don't even want to talk about the Seahawks. Those fucking douchebags. Yeah, they, 
They just took a wide receiver around. We took two. We went Bo Melton, which is fan fucking tastic. I love Bo guys. Melton. I do too. I'm so excited. I didn't see the other guy you guys took. But some Dare, Darik, Darik Young. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. I don't know. But oh, yeah. Eleanor Ryan or whatever. I want to talk about Kenny Pickett uh, before we get into some questions to be answered. And we'll finish off the show with our round two and start wrapping this bitch up. Yeah, yeah for sure. So Kenny Pickett goes pick 20 to the Steelers. And I just want to say that if a quarterback, no quarterbacks to draft in the first 10 rounds of the pick, they all kind of suck. And he goes into the Steelers. Is there a chance that Kenny Pickett doesn't play more than eight games for the Steelers this year? Oh, he's not going to. He's not not going. He's not going. So this, this, this pick makes sense, but it's also a very weird pick. Very weird. To me. Yeah. Because. Very weird. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I, I don't – okay, I don't think Mitchell Trubisky is is Patrick Mahomes or in that level at all. Don't get me wrong. I will never make that claim. I don't think Mitchell Trubisky is in the tier where 95% of the fantasy community puts him. Because at the end of the day, if you look at what Chicago is doing to Justin Fields, it's legit what the fuck they did to Mitchell Trubisky. Because what did Trubisky have? He had three head coaches, if I remember correctly, or two head coaches in the matter Mm -hmm. of four years. Okay. He had three offensive coordinators in that time. And who the hell did he have around him other than Allen Robinson one year? Montgomery for a year too, right? And Montgomery, but Montgomery, that was before Montgomery even went ham. I mean, what was it? Yeah. That was when, that was Montgomery in 2019. One year maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you have, so, Trubisky, I do not fully blame for what happened in Chicago. And the great thing about Trubisky is, is Trubisky doesn't blame Chicago for what happened in Chicago. He's such a good guy, man. And that's the reason why he got the deal with Pittsburgh because yeah. of the Buffalo GM. Now, yeah. of course, that doesn't mean it's necessarily going to translate. But you got Mitchell Trubisky for cheap. He's 25, 25, 25 years old, 26 years old. Uh, he's got to be 25. He was young coming out. Dude. He, he wasn't very old coming out. So he's 25, 26 years old and you get him for cheap on, it was only a one-year deal. So it's a one-year prove me deal. Mm-hmm. But do you really think that after sitting a year behind Josh Allen and learning from Josh Allen in Buffalo, that a one-year prove it deal is going to stop Mitchell Trubisky from putting together probably one of the best seasons he's ever had? I think you can make a legitimate argument that Mitchell Trubisky right now is better than Kenny Pickett ever will be. That's, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, so like you draft, <laughs> so you draft Kenny Pickett as your quote unquote future. What happens if Trubisky goes? What, no, what happens if Trubisky goes out there for 4,400, 34 touchdowns and nine <laughs> interceptions? What are you going to do then? You just, gonna, burnt, you just can't let him walk. No, you can't. <laughs> you just burnt a twenty. You you take Kenny Pickett and you sell him to Carolina and it's like, hey man, <laughs> listen, I know you took Malik Willis and pissed, or I know you, I know you took uh, Matt Kill Matt Corral, right? Matt Corral, yeah. yeah. yeah you took Matt Corral, but like, do you want our twentieth pick? Well, like, take him for a second. It's totally chill, bro. <laughs> I ain't worried. Yeah, well, and, and I'm not saying that Trubisky's going to do that because Trubisky could turn turn around and just completely bomb yeah, it out. He could totally shit the be, And Pickett be the guy. Yeah. And I understand that Pittsburgh wants to be. But this reminds me so much of what possibly could happen, like what happened in Green Bay with Jordan Love. Yeah. Like you literally drafted Jordan Love and, and it, or San Francisco with Trey Lance. Like you gave up all that stuff and now you got a second year where he's going to sit behind GQ. Yep. So it's like, I, I, I understand NFL teams want to plan for the future. I just, I, I hate it. I'm not saying Pickett needs to start right away. I don't think any of these quarterbacks are, are good enough to start right away. But I, I hate it when teams in this situation, make this. If you were going to take a quarterback and you knew you were going to take a quarterback in the first, 
don't even freaking bother bringing in a guy like Trubisky. Right. Just keep freaking what's his name? What, Mason uh, Rudolph. Yeah, the reindeer. And <laughs> and just let him be on your roster, and that way everybody knows you're taking a fucking quarterback. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No, and I agree. Then, and then sign a veteran. Yeah. You know, yeah. like yeah, and then absolutely. sign a guy and say, okay, you can come in. So if this guy doesn't isn't ready, you can start six, seven, eight games because then you know you're a bridge gap guy. Yep. I don't even want to go, go ahead. I, I don't, I just, I, 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 it's not, it's nothing against Kenny Pickett by any means because he could turn around and be happy, super fantastic. And, and Pittsburgh has a very good, you know, uh, uh, draft history for the most part with, with, with guys. So it's just, I don't understand reasoning sometimes behind it. Like, I know you want these guys to grow, but it's literally the last pick of a GM that's leaving. You yeah. haven't even announced the GM yet. Yeah. And it, this guy's leaving. Mm-hmm. Not saying that he's doing it on purpose by any means, but like he's trying to set a franchise up for success, right? Right. But why would you even bother letting him make the pick? Let the next GM, the GM may not be as high on Pickett as this guy Mm -hmm. is. Yeah. And so that brings up this dynasty value is you have to take him in the first eight picks of your Superflex League just because of the what if factor. You would have to. You have to, which fucking sucks. So what you do is, (laughs) is when it's that time to take Pickett and you are the one that needs a quarterback, you put that pick on the block. You go and you turn that pick and you do whatever you need to do to turn it into a Derek Carr, a Kirk Cousins, a fuck, honestly, even Matt Ryan or someone like that, where it's a year more, you're going to get year one production and you can maybe get a second thrown in, whatever the fuck. So you don't have to do this Kenny Pickett ride just because like, so let's just, I mean, uh, Kenny Pickett's probably going to get, not going to win the battle against uh, Trubisky, Mr. Biscuits. And let's say Biscuits, is serviceable and there's more than enough talent around him that he just needs to be serviceable just to yeah. game manager. Absolutely. So there's a very real possibility that the Steelers make the playoffs. And so there is not, there is not going to be an opportunity for them to start Kenny Pickett because they're not going to interrupt their Super Bowl aspirations to get their rookie quarterback starts in place. We saw this with San Francisco. They rode Jimmy G because they had a, they fucking went hella far. <laughs> and so, yeah, they could have, they could have went Lance. Sure, but they wanted a chance at the Super Bowl, and so they stuck with Jimmy G. There are parallels between that and Kenny Pickett. And so if you need a quarterback and you need to look at your team again and say, can I take a quarterback here and let him sit for a year because I'm not going to get any fucking production out of him or the likelihood of getting production out of him is very, very minimal. And I will we'll talk about this more later. It is just – it is so difficult to – tell people to draft Kenny Pickett highly and to expect greatness because it's just, he, he is a fifth year senior that is picked there because of his fifth year. And there are major concerns about that in general. I want to get some questions. Um, this podcast is going to run late you guys. So I may break it up into two. I don't really know yet. Uh, me and my producer, Eric Burkholder <laughs> six, we'll talk about it later. Um, but I'm just I'm we're gonna keep fucking talking because there's a lot of information to go over and it's no 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 no, you're fine like this this happens happens. like honestly we're we're at 40 minutes right now I'm like honestly I'm just about to chop it off right here and we're just gonna go and wrap up we're gonna do a round two at like a next episode when it really it's like five minutes later so of course I got I got questions Marquise Brown or Jerry Judy so I, I, to me, I, I did answer this on, on Twitter, uh, but it, to me, it's a wash. And the only reason why it's a wash is because I think Jerry Judy has um, a ceiling that 
can be reached with Russell Wilson. I mean, you, you saw Russell Wilson for years in Seattle. You know what he's capable of. Uh, and they, they, and he doesn't need to be the guy. Whereas like Marcus Brown doesn't need to be the guy in Arizona, but the way that Kyler Murray plays in Arizona uses the ball there. I just, I think he's still going to be used exactly how Baltimore was using. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I just, and I hate to say it for the guy because the guy requested a trade to get out of there, but I think they're going to use them the exact same way. And I also am not, I'm still not, I'm not sold on Kyler. I still am not. I'm there. with you. I'm with you. It's an injury thing more than a talent thing for me. Well, from well, it, it, he's so dynamic in the open field, but he leaves the pocket so quick and he rolls to the right probably about 80% of the time when he leaves the pocket. And mm-hmm. he's inaccurate as fuck when he leaves the pocket. Like, it's it's nuts. So I, I've never seen a guy where I've struggled so much to really understand why I don't like him, but he's doing all of these things that I'm like, okay, well, I would normally like that. <laughs> you know, yeah, just, yeah. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, the issue with the Arizona wide receivers last year was no wide receiver had a target share above 20% because they all had target shares between 18 and 16%. And so if they're going to run 10 personnel again, fuck, you know, fuck, they got, they brought AJ Green back. They got Randale Moore. They got Marquise Brown. They got DeAndre Hopkins. So if they're running tens, Marquise Brown's value is going to hurt. You could make parallels that say maybe Marquise is a juiced up Christian Kirk. So maybe he's going to like offer you, wide receiver 20 seasonal value, but that's tough because like you have to consider that for the Arizona pass catchers. Hopefully it changes, but we don't know yet. And they got Jerry Judy who had a really impressive first year. He had a wash of a second year because he had a high ankle sprain week one. And we right. all know you can't hold what happens post high ankle sprain for that year against him. No. So with Russell Wilson, like is Russell Wilson going to le- gravitate to the deep, deeper ball guy? Like, Corbin Sutton, or is he going to gravitate to the guy that's going to get more separation than Jerry Judy? Hopefully both. We don't know. I think, like you said, it's a wash. I think upside wise, yeah, just yeah. You almost have to say, Judy. God, I don't. I, I mean, there's. I swear, I, honestly, at this point, I, I, actually, I would just. I, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, I don't. I don't want to cut you off there, but I just a thought came in. Actually, what I want to say is, is, is if you're thinking upside go Judy. If you're yeah. thinking that Hollywood Brown is better than Christian Kirk, go Hollywood Brown, because chances are he's going to be able to, he's going to be able to expand on what Kirk did last year. Yeah. And Kirk I, had a very good year. Yeah, he did. I think so. I would stick with Marquise Brown on this side, just because you're going lateral and you're not getting anything for it. Lateral moves, I hate. So it's 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 especially interpositional lateral moves. I think I've noticed from you actually. The interpositional yep. lateral moves are the stupidest fucking thing in the world. They're so fucking stupid. So <laughs> so keep Marquise Brown, and then just pray that AJ Green gets cut or that Rondale Moore is a running back and that they don't run ten personnel because that's how he's going to be saved. His ceiling is going to be saved. Um, next question was, where are you taking round three quarterbacks in Superflex? I know you don't have a perfect answer, but mid-second or later, I always have perfect answers. I'm infallible. <laughs> it's the time of year where I'm right, you're wrong. Go fuck yourself. You sound like um, me. <laughs> I, I, well, I bring you on for a reason. I bring you on for a reason. <laughs> so so uh, for me right now, I have, the, I have Ritter, Willis, and Corral ranked back to back to back. Pick 19, 20, and 21. So that's 207, 208, and 209. Okay. Uh, for me, I still feel like that even though they fell to the third, I don't see how you can 
have them slide out of the first. You might have them rank that low, mm-hmm. but when you're talking about super flex, I think that the quarterback position, I, I don't want to say it's overvalued or, or, you know, it might be overvalued in, in certain levels. Uh, I just don't, I have a tough time saying that they should slide out of the first just because of if two of them hit or two, because every single one of them landed in a fairly decent spot. I mean, outside yeah. of Bailey Zappi, uh, they all landed in a fairly decent spot that they, they could see an opportunity. Yeah. If they get an opportunity and thrive, you know, great. But if you're in a position where you're at the end of the first, like you're, you know, you're a league winner and you have your pick at 12, take, take a Malik Willis if he's there. You know, take, mm-hmm. take, mm-hmm. take, take a, you know, a, a Matt Corral or a Desmond Ritter if he's there because you can sit on him. Chances are yeah. you're going to be able to sit on him for a year. Yeah. So that, at that point, you want to take the most valuable position in, the, in that spot. That's just my opinion. Man. No, I hear that. I don't, but, I just, I, I don't think I can get there just because statistically speaking, third round quarterbacks are awful. It's not oh, as yeah. bad as a fifth oh, round quarterback, absolutely. but like, oh, yeah. it, but you're right though, because quarterbacks sustain value. And if they get an opportunity, you're going to have a chance to bare minimum flip them for value later on, which I would strongly suggest you with all these quarterbacks in this draft. So which quarterback of the three Willis Corral and Ritter would you take at like pick 12, pick 13, like which one are you thinking the most, are you most confident in that has the highest likelihood of having a quick value swap? Matt Corral. And okay. only because, only because I think Sam Darnold is, is knows that he's pretty well done in Cooked. Carolina uh, and for me, Matt Corral was always, you know, I, in the, in, in the mock that we did, I took him at two one and explained very briefly that to me, he was my number one rated quarterback because I felt he's the most NFL ready. And I still think he's the most NFL ready. So if he does get that spot over Darnold, chances are, if anybody's going to make an impact immediately or have that, or have that opportunity now, we're going to see it from Corral first before we see it from anybody else. I think you bring up a really good point. I just, I, I changed Corral to 14. I think that's fair because you have to choose one. And I think he's the most likely. Yeah. So I, I, I don't yeah. disagree. I also dropped Lake Willis because whatever. Um, let's <laughs> his see. floor sucks. Dude. He has, he is his, his literally his, so bad. his fucking calling card was like, yo, uh, he's going to get day one draft capital. And like, who gives a shit that he's an awful prospect? Like <laughs> day one quarterback, let's fucking ride. And it's like, okay, so like he's not early day one, but he's probably going to pick 20. Oh, no. Okay. So like early second, no worries. Seahawks are there. All the teams, Giants, they definitely <sighs> go in early second. Okay. Not second at all. Where the fuck is he going? Late third? Fuck. Okay. <laughs> cool. I don't care anymore. I, his floor, he's, he's his just, floor is so bad, man. It, it's, it, it, it is it, so it, bad. Oh, my God. His ceiling's great. His floor is just so bad. It like, is just awful. No... <laughs> it is the yin and yang. Of, it's a yin and yang purgatory. That's what it is. A yin and yang purgatory. I, yeah. I know so, I just repeated myself like 15 times, but it's so bad. It is <laughs> awful. I, you, you, I cannot understate this enough. Now that he's no longer a first-round quarterback, he is fucking awful. Um <laughs> So my last question I have is, does the fact the wide receivers are taken higher than ever due to new perceived value and the running backs continue to fall more every year, does that affect historical draft comps for evaluations? So we were sitting here talking on Dynasty Academy and my co-host Mark brought up a great point about wide receivers and teams wanting to take wide receivers in the first round because of what's going on with Debo Samuel, AJ Brown and Terry McLaurin, where there's no fifth year option. Mm -hmm. So they're like, we could see wide receivers fly off the board because teams are going to look at that and go, we want that friggin' fifth year option. Like uh-huh. we want that. We want that thing. It's great for our team. And I think that's what we saw. And, yeah. and, and because of the contracts, you know, 
you, you can talk about the Christian Kirk contract if you want to, whatever. I mean, Jacksonville felt like they needed to do something. It's actually a team-friendly deal. I don't think a lot of people realize that. Cause it's only $21 million guaranteed. It's up to $80 million, but he has to hit a bunch of incentives to get there. So it's a team-friendly deal. But at the end of the day, when you look at the numbers, it's still a five-year $80 million deal or four-year $80 million deal or whatever the hell it was, uh, which for a guy who had what? One year, 1,000-yard season and 10 touchdowns. That was his best season was last year. So, And then you look at Devontae Adams and all this other stuff. So these teams are looking at it like A.J. Brown. He wanted mm-hmm. $22 million a year, and he would have stayed in Tennessee. They offered him sixteen which was even lower than Christian Kirk per year. Mm-hmm. So whenever that contract offer was made, who the hell cares? And then you look at Debo. He doesn't want to play the hybrid role because he wants to be a traditional wide receiver because he wants to get fucking paid that wide receiver money. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen is, is these wide receivers are going to do this. Mm-hmm. Certain wide receivers are going to get certain b- amount of money. And these other wide receivers are going to think they're worth it. They're not going to get it. And they're going to Le'Veon bell themselves out of the, out of the, out of the year. And wide receiver is going to start turning into running back. Yep. As far as the value of what teams are going to do, they're going to be like, okay, you want to go? We'll trade AJ Brown and draft Traylon Burks. Yep. We'll get a younger AJ Brown for cheaper for four years. Yep. I, I'm very curious because I think what is more likely to happen right now is that you're going to see the teams trading away these superstars falter because of their trading away their superstars. And I, yeah. I, I, and if they do, I think it could kind of put a kibosh on like this whole not paying your elite guys elite money. And I do think the market is going to reset a little bit. I, it's not fucking Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk <laughs> didn't fucking do this. He it's Devontae fucking he Adams. It's Devontae That's Adams. what happened. <laughs> so miss me with this fucking horseshit about Christian Kirk reset the fucking... No, he didn't. Jacksonville doesn't set the fucking market. Devontae Adams getting unparalleled guaranteed money reset it because he's a top fucking wide receiver and that is what's happening. Yeah. God, that drives me nuts. I'm just going to say this. The first round for running back is not happening. So you have to look at the second round as a first round draft capital. Yeah. I understand that it's not the same, but it is not as devalued as it was. Wide receivers are going early for that fifth year option. Totally understand that. No yeah, disagreement there. I am curious to see what happens because I would love to see the threshold shift back a little bit into like maybe a fourth round. Actually, you know what? That doesn't matter because Michael Carter is a primal example of why you still don't draft and rely on fourth round running backs or players to be like cornerstones moving forward i just want to clarify that i don't think that wide receiver is going to be devalued at the nfl level so much that we're going to see the shift like we did with running back where like you running second round running backs the first round you know stuff like that what i think you're going to see is the turnover on certain teams that you're going to start seeing these teams that are trying to give out second contracts it's only going to be to the elite few the Devontae adams of the world you know, the Jamar Jefferson, uh, Jamar Jefferson. Yeah, there you go. Jamar Jefferson, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, you know, those two guys, you know, those guys that are coming up, they're going to be totally worth in a, a contract extension. But then you're going to see some of these guys that are going to be hovering like, you know, Debo. We see one year of production. I'm not really sure why Tennessee didn't pay AJ Brown other than their cap issue being a fucking nightmare. Harold Landry has like a 30 million dead cap space. Ryan Tannehill and, and Derrick Henry basically yeah, the entire like, cap of the, of the franchise. Actually, it's Harold It's Harold Landry is their second highest paid guy in cap hit, believe it or not. <laughs> it's Harold Landry. Their mismanagement. Oh, I'd be oh, it's terrible. So that's the only thing I can think of for A.J. Brown's purposes. Yeah. And, and, and Washington with Terry McLaurin, I think a deal is going to get done. He's it's not that gonna, good. It's just I think he's fantastic. Well, let me rephrase had, that. He's not an elite player. 
he may not be an elite player, but he's had seven quarterbacks in, in his he, career. He is very Carson, talented. He's Carson just not going to get that best like, new, new money, you know? Carson Wentz is his best quarterback he's Which ever had. scary. It's just, scary. Just God put that damn. out there. That should scary. be like a quote on his like tombstone when he's done. Is so, Carson Wentz was the best quarterback he ever had. <laughs> we're gonna, I'm going to wrap this one up, and then we're going to talk about if we can go in the second round or not. Hopefully you have time for that. Um, I, I do. I'm good. Okay, fantastic. So let's just go ahead, and where can the good people find you? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at MW7777. It's spelt out. I made the mistake last time. Uh, we also have a Twitter handle for Dynasty Academy. The Academy, the E is a three. That's the only difference. Um, we're not really – we need to do better on our social on that one. So if you follow us there, just be understanding that we're, we're working on it. We're getting there. Uh, but you can find our podcast on Anchor for free um, at any given point in time. Uh, and then that's it, really. I don't think there's anywhere Fantastic. else you can really find me. You can find me on Group Me talking shit, but other than that, that's <laughs> that's about it. Group Me's undefeated. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the FF Sam and uh, you know about May 22nd by now. If you don't, then god fucking damn it, where are you? May 22nd, the Debbie Summit is a six hour podathon where we are going to be basically taking anything and everything, Debbie and cramming it in your little mouth holes for six hours. And then we're going to take all of that time that people are donating money to, and we're going to be donating it to Ukrainian refugees. Uh, Viridian Global has, fant- I'm not wearing my hat, fuck, but Viridian Global has fantastic gear that all, or most of the proceeds, I believe, go to Ukrainian refugees. It is a charity event. It is going to be absolutely jam-packed. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be hosting with Travis May and Angelo FF. For me, analytics side of Debbie, it's going to be an absolute blast. May 22nd, 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time. Be there or be square, bitches. Uh, one last thing. As you know, my future father-in-law, FFIL, as Katie Flowers calls him, uh, suffered a catastrophic heart attack and literally died and is only here today because an off-duty police officer happened to be driving by during that time and was able to call paramedics and give him five rounds of CPR with the help of another uh, nature and wildlife man. And he needs your help. So I'm going to be posting a meal train, a, a link. I, I'm not asking you for your money, but if you could just retweet it, that'd be fantastic. We would really, really benefit from it. It would just help him relieve him of a lot of his stress. Um, but again, all I'm asking is for some more. So a retweet, I'm not asking for any money, uh, but I appreciate you guys. Your time is valuable. I hope you had a blast. I certainly did. Make sure that you are following Mike and the Dynasty Academy. We will be back in your ears momentarily and that's a podcast peace how do i turn this off oh fuck i turn this off oh my god stop